are here for a reason. Breaking down the brotherhood, one prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. No turning back, no turning back, there's no turning back, no turning back. Welcome everyone to Right On Radio. Happy Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Yes, we're continuing on in our Bible study of the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, the first-hand account of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, 
oftentimes when I study these, I do have to bounce back and forth between the Gospels just to get the full picture of what's going on. That's why there's four of them, by the way. Uh, so not only is there multiple accounts that recount the same things, but each gospel writer uh, has their own personality, their own account of seeing things, and it all lines up perfectly, of course. Uh, so having said that, at one point in this particular study, I'm going to break my rules and just uh, jump over to one of the Gospels real quick as I just found something that I thought was fascinating. And quick show note, I want to thank all of you who uh, contributed to the GINA fund, which I'll call it. I will give an accounting on Tuesday at the beginning of the show. It won't take long, uh, but I want to thank each and every one of you for doing that. And so I will do it on Tuesday because, well, we get more of the same people who watch the Thursday show will watch the Tuesday one than they will this uh, particular Bible study. Let us start off with prayer. And I'm going to end with prayer as well. And as I have been doing in the past, recently, I will pray for any prayer requests that come up. Uh, just put them in caps, but wait till the end, um, because I won't be able to go through the whole chat uh, to find them. But at the end, you can put in your prayer requests, and I will do my best to pray for them uh, and for you. Let me just pray now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Matthew's detailed account, Lord. And Lord, I thank you most of all for your example. And Lord, in this particular teaching, you show us so much. Lord, you reveal so much about yourselves and you offer yourself as the perfect example for us. Secondarily uh, to what you did with the shedding of your blood on the cross, of course, which is the whole point of your coming. So, Father, I pray that each and every person that hears the sound of my voice, that the Holy Spirit will come and minister to them individually and about the different things that we can compare our lives to your example. And Lord, each one of us will find that we come up short. But it's because of your blood and because of what you did for us that we will stand blameless before the Father. By faith, we have accepted you, Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus. And Lord, once we make that proclamation, and there is no turning back, that's when the power of the gospel becomes real in our lives as we're transferred out of the world kingdom and into yours, although we still live here, Lord, in this fallen world. Maranatha, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, this uh, this chapter 
you know, on the surface, it's a very simple chapter. Of course, we're doing chapter four of Matthew. But there's a lot here. And just a very brief recap of chapter three. That's where John the Baptist welcomes Jesus and baptizes Jesus. And the father proclaims his love for Jesus in whom he is well pleased. And if I didn't make the point clear last time, Jesus did not need to be baptized. He was already God and he was already flawless. He did it to identify with our sins and our sinful nature. And in this chapter, he gives multiple examples of how we are to deal with the temptations, but also to walk away from our former selves. Of course, we are saved by the repentance of our sins. And to repent is to, well, first of all, acknowledge that it's sin in your life. It's not good. It's not pleasing of God. And it's just not good for you or me. But to repent is to turn away and go a different way. Each of us will have our own things that we haven't given up. None of us are Jesus. None of us are God. And I'm not saying it's acceptable to sin. Don't hear anything I'm not saying. I'm just saying it's pretty darn near impossible to live up to the measure of God. Having said that, let's, uh, let's read the word, shall we? Chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and on their hands they will lift you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the day at devil took him along to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, 
Go away, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to serve him. Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus was going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering the various diseases and severe pain, demon-possessed people with epilepsy, and people who were paralyzed and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for giving us all the tools that we need, Lord. Just in this chapter alone, contains so much of your ministry and the simplicity of your word. So as we remember in chapter 3, the Holy Spirit physically um, made a physical presence shown and came upon Jesus. Now Jesus already had the Holy Spirit, folks. This was a demonstration. This was a separation of him from us to show that he is the Messiah. And verse 1 continues in chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit 
into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So Jesus knew he was going to be tempted. Make no mistake. He knew what was going to happen. And, you know, I've preached on this, uh, well, or taught on this previously, the temptations of Jesus, and I kind of related them to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be repetitious, so I was praying to God, you know, what can you show me? Is there anything I'm missing? And, you know, one thing that came into my head was, you know, obviously he went into the wilderness and then it said he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the thing that kept coming into my mind when really soaking in this verse and just sitting on it, if you want more of the Holy Spirit in you, you need to empty your container. You need to empty things of yourself. The more of yourself that you lay down on the altar, you take it out of you um, spiritually, I guess would be the way to say it. You know, And it could be just some of the things you're struggling with. It could be anything. But the more things you take out, you lay them on the altar and you say, I'm just going to trust you, Lord. That makes more room for the Holy Spirit in you. And Jesus was already filled with, he is the Holy Spirit. He, you know, although there's, we don't understand it. I can't explain it. Don't ask me to. But he was going to be maximum dependence on God the Father. <clears throat> Jesus was God, but he was also fully man. And so his flesh depends on nutrition and things like that. And he decided to lay that down. Now, there have been studies and people who are way smarter than me have said that, you know, 40 days is the maximum any human can go before you start doing some severe damage to your body. And, uh, and it can become quite dangerous. So Jesus went to the max. And he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he then became hungry. You know, it's whenever you're at your most desperate moment, even as a Christian, or as a, you know, pagan, secular humanist, doesn't matter, even any of the other faiths, when you are at your weakest, that's when God can do the greatest work in your life. And most people, now I don't want to say most, but many people never get to realize what God was just about to do in their life because they were tempted. Here's the easy way out. Just do this. Just do this. And so that's exactly what happens here with Jesus. And the tempter came and said to him, if, if, so, as if he can cast doubt, but this is, this is what the deceiver does. He uses questions like if, or in the garden, 
did God really? It's an if, right? He says, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. Now, Jesus can do that. <laughs> Look at how he multiplied the loaves. Jesus can do pretty much whatever he wants. He's God. But he answered them and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So Jesus answered with scripture. And then the devil, he's cunning. And make no mistake, the devil, <laughs> his uh, other fallen angels, demons, and even many of the Luciferians in this world, people who serve Lucifer, know the Bible much better than you and I. They have to work harder at it because their power is so inferior to God's. So never be impressed when someone can just quote scriptures like, you know, oh man, I wish I was like that. And I do wish I was like that, but I'm not jealous of it. The Lord recalls what the Lord needs us to recall in the time when we need him. So then the devil took him along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and on their hands they will lift you up so that you not, will not strike your foot against a stone. So now the devil's using scripture. To say to Jesus, listen, if you do this, you'll fulfill prophecy. Huh. I wonder how many times and how many people have used scripture to justify their disobedience to the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people who have become murderers in this world, and they said, God told me to do it. Many times. But also, you know, what about adulterers in this day and age? Well, listen, David had like 600 wives. <laughs> you know, I'm just stepping out on mine. It's okay. God said, David is a man after my own heart. So it's easy to use scripture to justify. And by the way, I was asked this question recently. How come they had so many wives in the Old Testament? And I think I have the answer, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it's one of the perplexing things. And just like God actually ordering People being killed in the Old Testament. It seems to go against everything, but God is not a God of contradiction. You know, uh, God is just in what he commands. So, in this example, Jesus is being tempted by the possibility of fulfilling the scripture. And then, got to remember, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry as well. He's on top of the temple in the holy city. 
Imagine if he did take that temptation, and of course he wouldn't have fallen and died. He would have glided. What an entrance. Oh, how the people would have adorned him then. Even the Pharisees would have said, that must be the Messiah. I'll bet you. But he didn't do it because he knew what the devil was up to. And Jesus is not going to follow a request of the devil. They're as opposite as it can be. And so Jesus, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I wonder how many times we actually will put God to the test. You know, if God is with me, who could be against me? <laughs> you know, I get to, I get a kick out of, and, and God bless street preachers. I'm not against street preaching. I think it's very needed, and they go and they deal with the poorest and most, you know, dragged out in society. And it, there is a very specific ministry, and some people are called to it, and and it's a blessed ministry. But I wonder how many people, you know, and, and you've seen preachers, street preachers get arrested and stuff like that. There's all kinds of videos on them. If you wanted to go and be a street preacher, you probably don't want to do it, you know, in the center of the pride parade. Should we speak against it? Absolutely. But don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. To be wise as a serpent, but gentle as a dove. Are there times to confront that? Absolutely there is. And I'm just giving some of my opinion. I'm not saying this is all thus saith the Lord, but I think we need to use some wisdom. Because you know what, if you went down there and you did that and you got beat up or you got arrested, well, how come the Lord wasn't there? I was speaking his word. Okay, because you were foolish. <laughs> what did you expect? You know, I think all of us test the Lord sometimes. And, uh, as it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to a test. And verse 8, Again the devil took him along to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to, these, said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, You shall not worship, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and began to serve him. So this is just foundational stuff here, folks, as we get going, but it's it's always good to know these things. 
You know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they had jurisdiction over everything. And the devil could not steal it from him. So he beguiled them. And they willingly handed over authority of the world because they ushered in sin. They were no longer like God, being sinless. And so Jesus doesn't say, hey, I created this place. This is mine. It's not yours. Who are you? Could have said that because it actually is Jesus's. But he has given legal authority to the prince of Persia. And by the way, you think, well, why, why wouldn't he just ended it right then and there? Because God desires you to be like him and have free will. How much better is it to be chosen as a father? Father, I choose to love you and to lay down my life that's what we have to do just as Jesus laid down his life now we don't always have to go to the cross <laughs> some of us might some of the uh, apostles did I think it was Peter who was crucified on a cross upside down <clears throat> excuse me but, you know, these testings will come in each one of our lives and similar to each one of these temptations. And, you know, this last one, if you just fall down and worship me, all these things will be granted to you. Well, if, if we are in the latter days, there's a good chance in our generation that we're going to be subjugated to this exact temptation. And it's for the mark. Because you have to bow down to the image according to Revelation 13. And then you can just freely operate. You can have a good life. I'm sure there's going to be a great temptation like, you know, a bribe, you know, ascension, whatever. And some of us are going to be asked to lay down our lives. What happens if the brown shirts come to your door? And they even threaten now as a man, if they threaten, if you don't, bow down to the image. We're going to kill your uh, your family right in front of you. There's only one choice. Well, there's, it's a choice. You could capitulate and have eternal damnation. Or you could say, see you in the next life, honey. These things are a very real possibility 
that they could happen to any believer from this point going forward. And it's already happening to believers in different parts of the world. So make no mistake, this stuff is real. And Jesus really begins his ministry in uh, in verse 12. And this is where, you know, the book for me, um, the Gospel of Matthew, gets really exciting because this we're, we're, we're going to hear the words directly from God's mouth. And we're going to study in how perfect his speech was. It's just incredible. So Jesus has heard that uh, John has been taken into custody, of course. And when we get to the other Gospels, we'll get to that. So he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth. And he came and he settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. So this is a lot of Gentile area, obviously. Galilee of the Gentiles, right? Jesus went there first. Remember when we discovered the great mystery of God being revealed? that it was not just for the Hebrew people, but it was for all the world. And notice how I use Hebrew people, not Jew. And the people who were sitting in darkness saw great light. And, they, and those who were sitting in the, in the land and in the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. Hope had come into the land, folks. For the ones who were not keepers of the law, doesn't mean all Gentiles are bad people. I think most people are good people in this world. Most. We're all fallen. But most people who are parents will love their children. They'll want to raise them up properly. So they're not bad people. But Gentiles had no hope. Here were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these. <laughs> we have the keys. And you dogs. And they think you're dogs. Still do. So the Gentiles had very little hope. And you'll notice, you know, in, in what Peter does later on, and, you know, Peter goes to the Gentiles, and he actually sees the picture of the zoo. Uh, great story. We'll get there. But then it just starts to say in verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And of course, they're standing in front of the Messiah. So the kingdom of God truly 
is at hand. But these words in these Gospels were recorded to be accurate and true, and a depiction of what Jesus said, that's true. But they're recorded so that 2,000 years later, when you and I are reading this, is it less real than it was then? No. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Know that that is true. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. So you have to understand, Jesus was in this area for a little while. Okay, we don't know how long, the Bible doesn't tell us, but it, it appears it's apparent from the other Gospels that, you know, Peter and Andrew, you know, they they kind of knew, just like, uh, just like John and James, they, they knew of Jesus. They probably even met Jesus before this. So this wasn't the first time seeing him. But they're out there working. And you have to understand being a fisherman, that's hard work. But it's, it's like if we're going to make an analogy today, a skilled tradesman, blue collar type guy can make a lot of money. You know, these construction workers and stuff like that, they can make a good dollar. And these guys had a pretty good gig here. And Jesus says this weird saying, I will make you fishers of men. I am sure they did not know what that meant at the time. And it doesn't say this. I'm going to take creative license here for a moment. But they're out a little ways, you know, because they're casting their net. So they're not really in the shallow water. I don't know, maybe 100 feet out, 200 feet out, maybe further. And Jesus speaks and they hear him. Now, they wouldn't have been right near the shore fishing. I'm pretty confident. I wonder if they heard that kind of a voice of thunder. It doesn't indicate that anywhere. But I have to think that Jesus' voice carried across that water with such clarity, depth, sincerity, and it was powerful. And how did they respond? Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Would you do that? What if you're in your workplace 
they were fishermen. They were in their workplace. Let's say you're in your office or on a job somewhere and you get the call to follow him. Would you just walk away? Or would you be thinking, well, hold on, I got, I got a mortgage, Jesus. Uh, can you, can I come after six? <laughs> you know, can I do it part-time? And they might have, you know, in, in this situation when they're casting their nets, what would be the reasonable thing to do? Okay, well, just give, give, give us 10 minutes, Jesus. Let us bring the nets in and stuff because we want to, you know, give the nets to someone else or perhaps we can sell them. They're of value. No, they left it. They walked away from their life. You know, and I'm reminded of the, uh, the rich ruler who comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? I've kept all these commandments. Lord, I'm good. And Jesus knew his one weakness. And he said, eh, just get rid of your wealth. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And he went away sad because he couldn't do it. How many aspects of your life are you holding on to? Now, what if they weren't just going to bring it in and discard it or whatever? What if they just wanted to keep their old life and bring it with them? Are you really going to follow Jesus dragging heavy fishing nets across the land? Wouldn't that slow you down? Consider yourself. What are you dragging? What is keeping you back in the Lord? If you say that there's nothing, you make the scriptures a liar. Maybe even this day you can choose. If something comes to your mind, just like they did, immediately maybe there's something that the lord brought to your mind right now that you can just immediately lay down say lord it's not of you i'm not taking it with you going on from there he saw two brothers james the son of zebedee and his brother john in the boat with their father zebedee mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Immediately. Nah, but times were different back then. They didn't have a lot of stuff going on. They didn't have 600 T... TV channels of programming. What, am I supposed to leave that? My favorite show's on Tuesday.
so there's a verse from the Gospel of John. This is where I break my rule, folks, because I don't normally stray into other scriptures and do the biblical gymnastics. I just like to treat each chapter as its own. But there's an example that shows you just the opposite of what these disciples did. And in the Gospel of John, in chapter 6, Jesus is saying some stuff, you know, he, you know, he was talking to the Pharisees and stuff like that, and he, he's giving the metaphor, you know, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they didn't know what he was saying. They were taking him literally, oh, Lord, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a cannibal or, you know. Some of them got creeped out by what Jesus said. And here's the verse I want to read to you. As a result of this, many of his disciples left and would no longer walk with him. Many of his disciples left. Ah, Lord, it's too hard walking with you. I got too uncomfortable there, Lord. It's easier to believe this other stuff. I'm going to go the way of the world. Oh, I didn't give you the, uh, the verse number. So it's John chapter 6, verse 66. That's right, 666. And because they refused to partake, they didn't fully understand but Jesus knew who was for him and who was against him. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew who the, for lack of a better term, the Laodiceans were. I will spit you out of my mouth because I never knew you. He separated the wheat from the chaff that day. And it's just interesting that it's the number of man that they walked away from God. I found that was fascinating. Do you think it's a coincidence that that was chapter 6, verse 66? I don't think so. Verse 23, Jesus was going all about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. I just wanted to stop right there. <laughs> Did you catch it? Teaching in their synagogues. Well, hold on. Isn't the synagogue a place where you worship God? Isn't that his house? No, he was teaching in their synagogues. And what was he doing? He was going against their doctrine. <laughs> he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. 
And the news about him spread throughout Syria, and they brought him, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and severe pain, demon possessed, people with epilepsy, and people who were paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee into the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So as he makes his way into the city, he's being followed by a bunch of Gentiles, the dogs. Uh, some of my favorite parts of the Bible are literally when uh, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. And he says the perfect thing every time. <clears throat> All right. Um, if you have a prayer request, now would be the time to put it in. I know that there's about a 15-second delay, and uh, I'll give it a minute to come in. Uh, is there something I want? Oh, I'll tell you what is going to come up on Tuesday. I told you I, I will do a recap, just, you know, probably one minute tops on the, the Gina thing. But yesterday, a show was put on my mind, and it's actually a repeat show. It's something I did over two years ago. Uh, actually, it was even when Jesse was with me, we we did this particular show, but it's come back to the forefront. And of course, we have new listeners and everything else, and I think it's just going to be good. It's going to be scriptural. It's going to be focused on the scriptures. I'm going to tell you what some other people are saying and why I'm going to read these particular scriptures but I think it'll be informative talking about current days and comparing it to days of the past in biblical record. So unless something comes up and I am told to change it, that is the plan right now. Uh, Wendy's asking, today's show has been recorded. It's being recorded right now. It is being recorded right now. And uh, yeah, it's uh, as soon as I end, it stops recording. All right, I'm just going to look to see if there were any prayer requests. Oh, you know what? There's another point I wanted to make out about... Uh, in this, and it, and it has to do with prayer, actually. It has to do with our prayer call last night. You know, when I was talking about the rich young ruler who could not leave his treasures to follow Jesus, and what these other, you know, disciples did leave to follow Jesus, there was such a great, you know, in our prayer meetings on uh, both Saturday and Wednesday evenings. 
there's always like at the end, there's like a half an hour where people can share their testimonies or, you know, you can talk about things. You can give details on things you needed prayer for or what's happening in your family. And, you know, cause oftentimes we, when we pray during the prayer service, we're tempted to give all of the details of why we need to pray that. And, you know, because you want people to be informed, but at the same time, you don't want to be storytelling uh, because God already knows it and we're praying to God. So, um, but during the share time, uh, Laura, who heads up our, uh, our prayer team, her and uh, Katie, another member of the prayer team, were talking about a family situation that they, uh, that they had. And the Lord stepped in and miraculously took care of what could have been a terrible situation. But it blessed my heart so much. And part of the testimony that Laura gave in particular, and Katie too, mimicked this, but with Laura, it really stood out to me. Um, her temper was up. and She's human, like, like we all are. And, you know, she was going to confront a situation. And if she was going to do it in the flesh, she was probably going to yell out and convict and, you know, you, you know, she could have done things like that. You did this and you did that. <clears throat> and she had the wisdom to pray, say, Lord, by the time I'm there, I don't want to be there. Take me out of it, Lord. Just you handle it. If I handle it on my own, I'm going to mess this thing up. And so she truly left everything before she journeyed to go to this situation. She left herself there. She could have got some good self-satisfaction putting someone in their place. But she left it there and she begged of the Lord. She begged of the Lord, Lord, don't let my flesh handle this. I pray. And, and she was devout in prayer. And, and by the way, so was Katie. They literally prayed all night. All night. Sometimes we got to do that, folks. It's not that the Lord's hard of hearing. How much do you trust him? Jesus fasted. How much do you trust God? How much are you willing to lay down? Are you willing to lay down a night's sleep for something important and just spend time in prayer and worship? When Laura got there, the door opened. God had already done the work. And it's miraculous what happened in their family. And multiple witnesses, people's hearts were changed. People's demeanor that they've held all of their life had been changed. And God was getting the glory, even from those people. So empty yourself at least from time to time, none of us can do it every day. Well, I shouldn't say we can't. 
You probably could, but you're a much bigger person than I. Anyways, let me go back and check to see if there are prayer requests. I'm only looking for all caps, so if it's not in all caps, I'm not going to see it. Okay, I do not... Oh, here's one. Oh, okay, it's from Native Mom and Trinity. Okay. Okay, I see the one from Trinity. And I'm just going to look for the one in Native Mom. Keep my daughter, Sierra, in your prayers. She continues to heal from pneumonia. She came home from the hospital Thursday late and had coded twice, but praise God, she is still here with us. Okay. Um, and from Trinity, prayer request for my friend Al, who had soldier, shoulder surgery. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be able to come before our King. Lord, you created the heavens and the earth and you created all that's in it. And you created each one of us. And Lord, you know each person's struggles. You know each person's situations. And there's far more prayer requests than there was written down here, Lord. Because everybody has prayers that need to be answered by you. But these two were brought forward. And I want to pray right now for Sierra. Heavenly Father, break it. In the Jesus' name we pray that you break it. And you restore her. And you do it in a miraculous way, Lord. That it is evident that your hand was upon it. And not because that I prayed, Lord, because there's many people praying along with this. And it's not because we are praying, Lord, it's because we trust in you. We want to make no reference to ourselves in this at all, Lord, other than we trust in you. But to all the glory goes to you, Lord. Please grant this prayer as a sign and bring that testimony with Native Mom for next week. I pray in Jesus' name. And Al, I just wanted to double check the name. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the doctors and we thank you for the wisdom that you have given them to do these specific types of surgeries. You know, Lord, many years ago, or even not in the too far distant past, Lord, if someone was a worker and they got an injury like a shoulder injury, they would lose their vocation. But Lord, you've given us these things and you've allowed doctors to work and do these things. And Lord, so we pray that the successful, the surgery was successful in every way. Lord, that there's no revisiting 
the doctor for correction of man's mistake or anything like that. And Lord, we pray that it mends to bring it back to full capacity. Lord, so after the mending period, Lord, and we pray that you expedite that even, Lord. That if it heals a month earlier, that Al will know that it was the hand of God that was upon this shoulder. Touch it now, Lord, we pray. We pray your mighty hands go upon it. In Jesus' name. And for everyone else who's just listening, Lord, I pray that you continue to strengthen us. You continue to minister to us. Lord, You, I pray you help us with our discernment and even greater capacity, Lord, that that the wheat and the chaff really start to become even more distinguishable for us, Lord, so that we will not stray off the narrow path as easily. Lord, increase our faith, Lord, and bring us to a place of personal worship, as you are worthy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for being here, everyone. I will see you on Tuesday. Please keep me in prayer. Um, the The last couple of weeks have actually been quite challenging for me. And, you know, I'm normally full of smiles. And really, that's who I am. I'm, I'm a happy guy. You know, I, I, I love life. And uh, just that smile is kind of been off my face in the last couple of weeks and it's uh I'm on the mend there's no doubt about it but I, I've been going through some trials so if you'd keep me in prayer I would certainly appreciate it anyways in the meantime be loved be blessed be the Berean Trust no man or woman and read the scriptures for yourself. And the outcome of that should do nothing less than increase your faith and your belief. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I'll see you on Tuesday. Out.